I went home. I left a suicide note, note at home. And I went to the train station. There's like three train stations in my town. And so I picked one, biked there, and I was ready to jump. Jump from the train that was coming. Good day, everybody. Welcome to the show. Thanks for tuning in. On behalf of Disciple of City, I'm Todd Carlton, and this is the Toddcast. Hey, don't forget to check us out on Instagram, the Toddcast underscore DAC, and also DiscipleofCity.ca. Disciple of City is also on Facebook. And for our recent events and events that we're doing across Canada, Moncton, New Brunswick, and Kelowna, BC, everydisciplesent.ca. Now let's get after it. My guest today originally hails from, let's see if I can do it, Wienendal. I don't know, Holland, Wienendal, Holland. He moved to Canada in 1999, and he's a church planter with E3 Ministries. Please welcome Marcel Knott. Hey, Hey. thanks for having me, Todd. Thanks for coming, Marcel. I think I blew it. (laughs) Why? Say it, say the city. Wienendal. Yeah, 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 you got it. Yeah, you got to have the Dutch language in there, you know? That's right. Well, I tried my best. I practiced, but, you know, sometimes that's how it goes. You did did your best. (laughs) (laughs) Well, welcome, man. It's nice and warm here today. Oh, yeah, it's hot out there. Yeah, I appreciate you taking some time. You're up here in Peterborough uh, to help out with the Every Disciple Scent. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, it's been great hanging out with you guys and partner and uh, see Peterborough safe for Christ. Yeah. And it's, it's great partnering with you guys as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so Marcel, let's, uh, let's dive right into it. Yeah. So Holland, man, growing up, growing up in Holland, can you talk a little bit about culturally what, what that was like and, and what kind of church experience you had growing up there with your family? Yeah, actually, when it comes down to the culture, uh, very much small communities, uh, on your bike, that's the first thing you learn to do. Get on the bike and start pedaling, you know, because uh, you can go anywhere. Um, there's even bike paths to get to the core of the city, and uh, it's safe. You know, you have your own bike traffic light, like mm. all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, that's what we do. And doesn't matter if it's uh, rain or snow, you're on your bike. And that's the transportation. And people have small cars, but the gasoline prices are through the roof too, right? So it's actually easier to get with bike into your city or into the core shopping area than with the car. So we think gas is expensive here. It's just always been that way there. Oh, it's I guess. doubled the price there than here. Yeah. Even currently. And been like that forever. Yes. Always been like that. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's been fun uh, growing up there. But uh, when it comes to the church culture, it's a Protestant nation and, uh, but to go back even into my own story, I'll have to go way back to my grandparents because uh, my grandparents, my dad's side is all Jewish descent. Um, so through the war, the Second World War, uh, my grandma was in hiding. So she had to hide in a closet pretty much the whole war. Um, and my grandfather, he was in a work camp. So and he, he escaped the work camp. And so by a miracle, he made it back to Holland. He walked quite a while from Germany back to Holland. Some German, uh, yeah, some Germans there running after him, shot his friend in the back, and he was able to escape. Wow. Mm-hmm. So it was quite a story. Um, so, yeah, my grandparents made it through the war, got married, uh, had seven kids, and uh, my father being the oldest. Um, yeah, they grew up as a Messianic, Messianic Jews. 
believing in Jesus. Uh, but the war really hurt them and psychological and emotional. So it was hard for them to raise kids. And so my father had a lot of hard time upbringing and through his life, um, yeah, he became a man to deal with borderline personality disorder. And so, so that was a tough story there. And on my mother's side, uh, Protestant raised, Dutch reformed. So, so I had a little bit of law-ish from the both sides. Not that law is wrong, but it was like very strict, um, raised in the church, pretty much the Protestant church. This is what you do. And, uh, you know, the Protestant church has a good, a lot of good things, like it's really solid in teaching in the beliefs of, hey, this is the truth. This is biblical. But uh, I wasn't free. Uh, I really felt bound to mm. the religious rules, but also because of my Jewish heritage, too. And on top of that, you know, the, my father, who was actually became abusive, uh, I'm the oldest of four boys. And so uh, he kind of brought me to church, and but his lifestyle did not even look close to being a good father. So mm. that's, for me, that was tough to recognize, okay, is God... Is God loving? <laughs> you know, you see early father as uh, someone who can't love his kids and is always um, telling you you're not good enough. So that's how I thought God was. God was always angry with me. So, so that was my upbringing. Yeah, because you're you're going to church and hearing one thing, and life is a little bit different. Yeah, so that was tough. You mentioned me- Messianic Jew. Can you can you just explain what that is? Yeah. I- so these are Jews that uh, actually uh, they believe in, of course, the Torah, uh, the, the five books of Moses. They believe in the law, but they also believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that He is the chosen one, that He is from God, and He is their Messiah. And so the Mess- Messianic Jews, so they actually believe that same like we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died on the cross for our sins and rose again the third day, and He's sitting on the right hand side of the Father. And so, uh, so they believe that the promises that came from the Old Testament into New Testament, the promises is Jesus that's been written about all the way through the Old Testament. So, so yeah, that was a blessing for me for sure to understand a little bit of my Jewish heritage, but also how Jesus fits in the picture. Yeah, that's. I remember I knew nothing about that, and uh, well, quite a long time ago, our church had a Messianic Jew come and preach, and and talk about all that and it was just mind-blowing to me the further deeper understanding of passover why they celebrate that the correlation with the unleavened bread and and crate and everything that's that could be a show into itself oh, eh? yeah so much in that so okay so did you have a tangible experience or when did jesus sort of become real where you saw it wasn't sort of religion and did that happen in holland or did that happen when you came to canada uh no that actually happened in holland so so at the time I was 13, my parents um, went actually to an evangelical church, evangelical, and um, they got baptized in the evangelical church. Um, what, so, what caused them to, to go from one denomination to well, something else? Well, the funny thing is, is that my grandma, my mother's side, who's also a reformed upbringing, um, she was the first one to, to transition from a baby baptism to submersion and reading the scriptures more and more. And so my grandma was the first one getting baptized in a pool and the rest of the family followed. And Mm. so they got introduced into the evangelical church. And so we actually went to the evangelical church. Actually, my grandma went back to the reformed church and stayed there 
because he had so many friends there. But yeah, she was a def- definitely a devoted uh, believer to Jesus. And yeah, she has so much faith. And so, um, so yeah, as age of 13, I think I was, we went to evangelical church up to 17, 18, 19 years old. And, uh, but in through that process, uh, my father didn't change. He did not change. So I still had the same image of God, you know, how I saw God as uh, an angry man upstairs that didn't love me. And so what I went through, I'm an introvert, so I had no friends. I had trouble at school. I got bullied a lot. I went home, got more, you know, more of the brunt of my father and more issues with, yeah, it's just walking on eggshells at home. I wasn't myself. I couldn't be myself. And uh, so emotional and physical abuse, I would say. And uh, my mother's trying to be the referee between her kids and uh, her husband, right? And so it was it was tough at home. So I didn't have a safe place. I couldn't go anywhere where I felt safe. I would probably wander the streets by myself, you know, listen to music. Uh, that was kind of my routine, just by myself. Just to be free. Yeah, just to be free. Uh, and then music became my escape. So I became a drummer, uh, listened to bands. That music was my escape. But I was still dealing with so much stuff. And so by the age of 18, 17, 18, I was done with it all. Um, I went home. I left a suicide note, note at home. And I went to the train station. There's like three train stations in my town. And so I picked one bike there and I was ready to jump, jump on the train that was coming. And that's what my moment was where I heard voice of God saying, I love you. I love you. And so, and I thought like, this is crazy. So it's like, God, um, and show yourself to me because I've been through the religious stuff. You know, I've done it all. I've been to church. Um, you show yourself to me. And I said to him, if I don't see any of your signs and wonders and miracles I read in the Bible, then I'm back here in two weeks. That's what I said. It was like radical, but I, I had enough. And so this is like you're on the platform. I'm on the platform. Yeah. And there was nobody there. Just me and the train that's coming and God. <laughs> and so, yeah, at that moment, uh, so I, I, I backed off. I went home. Uh the funny thing is the suicide note, I've even forgot about it, but my mother told me this a few years ago, actually on the phone, like, do you remember you have the suicide note? I have no clue. I didn't remember any of that stuff. Was, and they didn't ask you when you got home about it? Uh, it or I guess your mom a, found it? No, it was such a fog, right? For me, hmm. uh, my mother didn't say anything. Uh, she did tell me at one point that you need to talk to someone and I would never talk to anyone. So going back to from the platform and home, uh, a few days later, I went to some youth retreat um, a weekend away. And that's what something happened because there was a friend or someone I knew from next town over 10 kilometers away who was there. And she had uh, in her life, she was paralyzed from ways down. She was born that way. She was in a wheelchair and everything. And she was walking there. I saw her walk there. I'm like, oh my goodness, what happened to her? I went up to her and said, hey, what happened to you? And she told me a story that a friend came over one night, uh, same age, about 16, 17. And she says, can I pray for you? I was like, yeah, sure. Many people pray for me. But sure, you can pray for me. At that moment, when she prayed for her legs, her legs are warm and hot. And her foot started straightening out. And she walked to her parents' bedroom that night. And I'm like, oh, Jesus did that for you? She says, yes. 
And I go, oh my goodness. So I was really now processing this miracle story that God just revealed to me a few days later. You know, amazing. And then I was not convinced yet. So uh, because of my Jewish heritage, I had an opportunity to go about six months later to Israel. So I went for five weeks. I went for five weeks to Israel because I was like, I want to see the Bible being coming alive. I want to see it. You know, on the pages that I read, I want to see it. And so I went on the, on the discovery journey. And I was for five weeks in Israel, three weeks in Jerusalem. And when I walked the old city wall of Jerusalem, and it took me three hours to walk around the old city. I said to God, God, if you are real, and I've no, I encountered something, um, you show like where would you be crucified? Like I was looking for the rock formation, the Golgotha, right? And so I walked around three hours and I came to the Damascus gate, the main gate. And I could picture a cross. It was a bus station and a big rock formation. And it looked like a skull and actually hollow eyes. And, and I heard this voice saying, I could picture three crosses. I could hear, heard this voice saying, stop searching, I'm real. And at that moment, I broke down crying. I broke down on that wall. And I felt love and peace come all over me. And that moment, I just got a new heart, you know? Amen. I ex- experienced the Father's love right there. Wow. And it became so real to me. And I had so much joy. And my anxiety, depression was just gone. Yeah, it was amazing. It was just uh, uh, meeting Jesus in Jerusalem. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. So, yeah. So, the journey continued. Uh, I was 19. Uh, started working for Youth for Christ in Holland. I just felt like God's going to use me. I quit my job. I found out there was a position for Youth of Christ in Holland. So I worked there for a year. Um, 50% paid, 50% volunteering. And I didn't care. I just wanted to live for Jesus. And then uh, I met my wife there. So so uh, Canadian. So uh, my second cousin did an exchange student program with someone from Canada. And so that was my wife. And so they, she came over for uh, a summer holiday. For the, whole, for the whole summer? Or just? Yeah, probably four to six weeks, whatever. Yeah. And then my second cousin worked at Youth of Christ as well. So I actually met her there because my, my wife went to visit her to see where she worked and she met me. And then we only met two or three times and then she went back to Canada. And then we started writing for six months. And then uh, a year later, we were married. Writing. Yeah, right. No email. Writing. Yeah. No email. That's with a pen and paper for some of the younger audience. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the phone, the phone, okay? I had a phone bill of 200 bucks a month because it was a buck 50 a minute. Oh, <laughs> phone. Oh, wow. my goodness. Whereabouts in Canada was. So she's from Milton. Okay. Yeah. And her parents are Dutch descent as well. So the beautiful thing is that she said, uh, her. My mother-in-law said to my wife, saying, hey, why don't you go see Holland? Because, you know, where we came from. And, and that's how it all started. Um, so you guys wrote and, and yeah. connected and stuff yeah. like that. And then a year later, yeah. you were married. So, so from you- meeting to the day of marriage was a year and two, three months, something like that. And so did you come here? Did she go to Holland? How did, what did that look like? Yeah. So we got married in Canada. And then I was trying to get a work permit and uh, had a job lined up. But the Canadian government wouldn't let me because I want to hire a Canadian first. So anyway, that's fine. Uh, after about being in Canada for four or five months, uh, we moved to Holland. And we stayed in Holland for two and a half years. Yeah. And, um, but my wife loved Canada. She loves the up north. And I was like, yeah, we were both ready to move and leave our family behind for each other. 
So, uh, so yeah, we lived in Holland for two and a half years, and then we decided to immigrate to Canada in 1999. And so for you, what, at, at that time in 99, what does that look like? For you, because you guys are married to come to like obviously she's a Canadian citizen, so she's back in. But because you're married, how does that work in '99? Yeah, so it's 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 not a difficult process, especially when you're married. Uh, when you're married to someone from a different uh, country, then it's easier to get in. So we had to do the process through um, the Canadian embassy in Germany in Berlin. Sent some paperwork, took about six months, and then I was able to come as a landed immigrant. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So then you can work. And yes, so, and yes. so then did you transition right into Youth for Christ here? Well, the funny thing is because uh, I, I did some work in uh, graphic design and printing. So before I did Youth for Christ, that was kind of my education. So I uh, actually found a print shop and started working there uh, for uh, about three, four years. And then God called me back to ministry. Uh, I wasn't even looking for it. But I did ask God, God, um, you brought me here. Is there anything I can do for you here? And then uh, in my church that I was attending in, um, in Waterdown, there was a, um, a, a bulletin, a message of they're looking for. Can I, can, sorry, can I sure. just ask you, like, yeah. you say God called you back to ministry. Mm-hmm. For, for, people, for people listening that, can you explain or what that looked like for you? Yeah. For, so I always had the desire to share Jesus with people, right? Especially young people, because I was that back then. I was a teen or late teen. I had a passion for young people to experience Jesus like I did, and so I was actually kind of looking for different ministries when I came to Canada. Maybe a prison ministry, maybe this kind of ministry, but it was still youth for me. Youth ministry was something that was on my heart, and uh, I looked at a church and youth groups and things like that. I volunteered at a youth group. But it really felt like, no, God, it's got to be young people that don't know you. But I didn't know Youth of Christ even existed in Canada. And I was looking around. But anyway, so this whole, uh, uh, an insert in the bulletin in the church looked for a director for Youth of Christ to start something up in Waterdown. And I'm like, hmm. My wife, when I was playing drums in the worship team and I came off the stage, my wife said, look, what's in the bulletin? I was like, yeah, I'm not a director. But if God has it for me, then I will apply. And so I applied, and then, yeah, for 17 years, I was involved with Youth of Christ in Waterdown. It's funny when we say, I'm not this, or I'm not yeah, that. And I know, eh? It's almost like God says, I'll tell you what you are. <laughs> that's right. right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, and so that's just, God just used me in that ministry for sure. And sorry, for how long? How many years? 17. 17. Yeah, that's, that's a good time. So throughout that, you guys had kids. Yep. Yeah, yeah. We um, we moved to Waterdown. We had a house in Burlington, uh, and we're still in the same house right now. We're still, uh, and then God uh, allowed me to uh, wander to schools, the high school. Uh, got a, got in there as a volunteer, started connecting with kids and and teachers, and it was phenomenal how they let me in and start ministering to young people. There's a lot of brokenness, you know, in the schools. Yeah, and so. Um, yeah, and then we started up in our own house. Um, I had a walk-in basement. So I started a whole studio, a recording studio for kids. And so kids came, bands came. I had so many kids coming through my house. And then uh, we got this plan to build a youth center one day. And the land was donated. That's actually right beside the house I live in. And um, That's yeah. convenient. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> Just walk to work, you know. <laughs> That's no favor. <laughs> Uh, no, that's an easy commute. And uh, yeah, so we, about seven, eight years ago, they built the youth center. 
and uh, it's been thriving and seeing about 80 to 100 kids come in daily. That's fantastic. Yeah. And so are you still, are you still in the same location beside it? I'm still beside it and yeah. I volunteer here and there. Yeah. So, cause I had a, they have a, uh, we build a brand new recording studio, recording studio in there. And so, uh, I'm the kind of the only one kind of running it. So I want to make sure it continues to run and kids can record music. And it's a relationship building process that you can connect with them through music. And, uh, yeah, it's been, been really great. Yeah. That's excellent. Mm-hmm. So then since then you've, you've transitioned out of Youth for Christ and into E3 mm-hmm. Ministries, and we've had a bunch of E3 guys on here, Jeremy and Brody and Greg and stuff like that. So what, uh, what brought you out of YFC? What was the change of season for you? It was a slow process because um, about six years ago, um, you know, I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. I love Jesus. And there's another period of my life where I felt like, okay, God, I see the book of Acts as people are, they have these radical lives, you know, they're apostles, they had this ministry where people getting healed, demons cast out, raised the dead, that's what Jesus taught them to do. And my life wasn't even close to that. I never saw a miracle. And I was questioning that part, you know, is, is healing for today, you know, is this part of the ministry? And I was really like praying and fasting. God, show me, um, is there more than just living and loving you and believing in you? Can I live this life? And so uh, I had a radical encounter with Jesus. And um, yeah, I got trained by some other people to how to do this and how to step out of my comfort zone. Because um, yeah, I had an encounter with God where I had so much boldness that popped up inside of me, like desire to see Jesus being shared on the streets as well, not just in the youth center, not to a relationship, but to people that I'd never met before, but I'd never done that before. And so uh, I had some people show me how to do it and I followed them and then I learned a lot of stuff. And so my desire was like, well, how do I do this in my daily walk? And can I also see uh, not just Youth for Christ ministry continuing, but also people that never walked into a church or never heard about Jesus I want to see them have an encounter with God. And so I went with, uh, in 2019, actually, a little fast forward, 2019, I had an opportunity to go with E3 to the Philippines. And I was like, okay, let's see what they do. And uh, I took my son with me. And I encountered a lot of cool stuff, you know. Um, It was beautiful going from house to house, village to village, sharing Jesus, praying for the sick, uh, seeing many miracles, demons cast out and people getting saved. And I was like, wow. And I'm like, well, there's another nation of the world, right? How do we do this in our own backyard? And that was just uh, for me, like, okay, I want to learn. God, just show me more. And so 2019, it really impacted me. Like, okay, God, am I allowed to do this? Uh, can you use me? Again, that question, right? That I, when I started with Youth of Christ. And uh, yeah, I was just slowly in transition from Youth of Christ into doing more street ministry. We call it street ministry. I know it's a, people think that, oh, okay, you stand on the corner of the street or you just meet with homeless people or drug addicts. No, it's everyone, right? But it's like, for me, it was like, how do I make this a ministry that impacts my community outside the church walls, outside the youth center? And my desire started to grow for that. And uh, I think, you know, we had a lot of people and volunteers to run the youth center. I said, okay, God, I'm ready to go. And so, yeah, E3 came in, uh, got connected with them, learned a lot, and 
my my passion desire shifted so that was really the the beginning of a, a, a new era for me to live out this life can you uh we talk often about healing on this episode and people's are on this podcast and people's experiences and stuff. Can you, can you share a testimony of something that you saw in the Philippines mm. that really encouraged you? Because you spoke of, well, I guess you didn't actually see it, but you heard about one when you were in Holland as a teenager, mm-hmm. but you still had to process that. But I guess you didn't witness that. You had just heard about it, right? Yeah. From the actual girl. That's right. And what was wrong with her leg or foot? So she was paralyzed since birth. She was pa- both legs paralyzed. Yeah. And you knew her and knew that. Yeah, I heard about her and I kind of knew her. I uh, wasn't really a friend of her, but she was paralyzed and in a wheelchair all her life. And then you saw her walking. Walk. She was walking, yeah. And that wasn't enough. It's interesting, Yeah, eh? I know, eh? Yeah. It's like, well, even the, the Bible, right? We read about uh, the disciples spending three years with Jesus. Yeah. And then as he, he died and rose again and they saw him. And then he went back to the Father, right? When he went up to, to back to his father, there was 11 people standing there, 11 disciples, and they looked up and they saw him leave. And it said that still a few doubted. I'm like, how can you still doubt? They were standing right there and it, said, it says that. And yeah. I'm like, wow, if they saw him and they saw him go up and they still doubt it, then yeah, we have to deal with a lot of doubt still today. Yeah. So can you share a testimony then of the Philippines sure. that you can think of? Yeah, there's many, that? but uh, one particular one is beautiful and I even have the video on my phone. Uh, so we're in a village. Um, so th- the night before we were there sharing the gospel, um, about three, 400 people came. Uh, coming to know Jesus, lining up for healing. People just line up because they have hardly no doctors. Maybe have a witch doctor, but hardly no doctors, no medical aid, right? And so they came lined up for healing. And many people got healed. And then the next day we'll do follow-up. We bring Bibles. We connected with them to a local pastor. So I'm back to the village with uh, two other people, people from the team. And uh, as we were there waiting for the people to come, Two ladies came and carrying an older lady to us, like carrying, like literally holding up in the air. And then they put her on the chair in front of us. And then we started praying. We didn't know what was going on with her. Uh, there was a translator. I don't remember what illness she had, but we started praying for her. And then her arms started to move. Her legs started to move and she stood up and then she was smiling and praising God. And then she walked home. And wow. I'm like, oh, so good, you know. <laughs> wow, it's so beautiful to see God just move, and yeah, from carrying her out to us to walking home was just a great miracle. And we've seen blind eyes open and deaf ear too. Um, God really want to touch people that are broken and are open for Him. You know, His kingdom come. So after that experience, mm-hmm. you were sold out that it's for today. It's for mm-hmm. all disciples. Yeah, I saw some miracles already at home a little bit. But uh, it really, um, yeah, it really magnified it for me, seeing uh, people hungry for Jesus and um, really coming to him and want to be touched by him and, yeah, give their lives to him for sure. It's a, okay. And so, so you came back and you're, you're all hooked up with E3. And so now you're a church planter. Mm-hmm. And so can you talk about some of that stuff or things that are around that in the last couple of years? Yeah, for me, it's like uh, the things I've learned. Um, stepping out was like, okay, God, how can I train other people to do the same? Because it's really about the making disciples, right? Jesus said in Matthew 28, make disciples. Because if, 
in the past, I, I started a home fellowship group or home group, and I would share and I we would teach. But if I didn't show up, people wouldn't show up either to my fellowship. So I'm like, ah, that's not good, you know? Every time I couldn't make it, then they would not show up either. So it's like, how do we make disciples who make disciples? So it continues even without me. It's not about me, first of all. But so my desire is like, hey, I want to train others to do the same things that I'm doing. So that was really a big passion for myself. And so, yeah, we started doing um, ministry on the street every Tuesday night. Uh, people can join in. With uh, We partnered with... Uh, to people from Love on Hamilton. It's called Love on Hamilton, just a name. But uh, there were some people out there who were already doing it. But they had the same experiences that, hey, if they didn't show up, nobody would show up, right? So, like, how do we make better disciples that if we don't show, if we were not able to make it, they continue doing it? So, yeah, we started making disciples, making disciples. Like, we started the modeling it to others. And then we assisting them how to do it. And then we watch them how to do it. You know, that's really MAWL, M-A-W-L. That's what one of the tools that we have. Yeah. Is we're modeling it first so they can see it. And then we assist them with us. And then we watch them do it and give them encouragement. And then we launch them, right? They can do it. And so that's Jesus' model we read in the scriptures, right? And the same for today. People need to be modeled first how to do it. Because we don't know, we don't get taught this stuff, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, and, and people started to get passionate and desires for more, and more people were added to our group. So now we got anywhere from 20 to 25 people on Tuesday night going out doing this stuff, you know, uh, sharing the gospel, healing the sick, casting out demons, and yeah, and they have these stories to share with their friends and their family members, like, hey, God is working in our city. And so the beautiful thing is out of that, people getting born again we meet people they want jesus and then we invite them into our home fellowship so even our home fellowship uh right now we have about 15 to 20 people it's almost like too big but we have 15 people and they're all doing it they are just we're getting together and we share their stories right but also they're all encouragement to go out as well and be like christ you know share jesus with people and so you're seeing multiplication in the sense of as you said you're almost too many yeah then then there'll be sort of a, a split off to yes so that they can have more intimate conversations yeah. with each other yeah and so that's happening right now so we're seeing that's uh two other a couple wants to start their own home fellowship right so that's in the process right now and yeah it's good you know it's like maturity right we grow up and we we learn new things we become mature in christ and yeah and they should be able to uh, multiply that, yeah. right? To teach others. Uh, and when I'm not there, like right now, they continue. And yeah. it's beautiful to watch. It excites me more to see other people doing it. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah, it's beauty, beautiful. For sure. So you're with us. You're with us now for an, another week to launch this Every Disciple Sent School here in Peterborough. And for those listening from other areas, Hamilton is in Ontario and it's on the western side of Lake Ontario on the map, Steel Town, the Hammer, we the call hammer, it, right? Yeah. The Hammer. Um, so what's what's next in store for you over the next, after this EDS school wraps up, what's the next couple months or what's the summer look like into the fall for you? And are you uh, coming to New Brunswick? 
Yeah, I would like to. Yeah, yeah. I would love to go out there. Yeah. Um, the travel is a little far, but hey, God will make it work. Um, you can make Edmonston in 14 hours from is here. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If you're a, aggressive and you got a bunch of coffees in there, you go. I have a driving party. <laughs> if you can get through Montreal outside of rush hour, you could do it. Oh, yeah. A crazy, crazy Montreal to get through <laughs> there. Um, yeah. So, what's summer look like? Yeah, I hope some rest, first of all. Um, but also, I always find that spring, summer, fall is kind of the, the har- harvest time, you know? Uh, we see more people out, and it gives me more excitement to say, hey, where do we go? Uh, parks, um, downtown, shopping malls, but mostly outdoor events. So we are creating a few outdoor events where we can connect with people and, and yeah, share the good news. And last year, what we did, uh, we did an RV tour. Uh, we bought some RVs and went on a journey. Uh, I think we drove 3,000 kilometers northern Ontario. And it was beautiful. We went from city to city to really impact the city and train other believers. Um, so yeah, there will be a few trainings that will be happening this summer, and uh, yeah, again in different cities like we do here, right? It's really empowering the church to to do the things you know that God called us to do. Yeah, and um, it's exciting. You know, I one of the stories quickly. Um, you know, we did the training on the weekend, and we took some people out. We actually had um, a guy who was a pastor in our in my group. And he saw the things, he saw that people getting healed, heard the gospel, they heard the gospel and how we approach people and how we share. And so there was Saturday, I got a text on Sunday, next day, he's saying, I'm doing it. We just, uh, we had our church, we were outside with a tent and we gave out waters and then we got to pray for people, had a word of knowledge for someone and people got Bibles and yeah, we started connecting with people. So it's beautiful to watch that it doesn't take a superstar Christian. It doesn't. Yeah. All it takes is obedience. And the beauty thing of this is that, yeah, he started doing it and he was so excited to text me next day. Like, this is so awesome. We're doing it and it's impacting my community. Yeah. And that'll likely really impact his congregation if mm-hmm. the if the pastor's doing that, right? Oh, I awesome. mean, there's a lot on them anyways, just being in and pastoring the church and stuff and, and being inside. But yeah, to, I guess it's one thing to preach, preach it, but to go out and actually live it too. Then the people are seeing like. Totally. We, we, it's good to learn. Um, the Bible It's good to preach. Um, but eventually you got to apply it to your life. Right. And to make this, uh, app, you know, if you apply this to your life, you have to, to take a risk. Right. And that's the thing. Uh, we we get so comfortable in our churches sometimes, like including myself, that I, I've never learned to step out of my comfort zone. And the only way for, to do that is to have somebody modeling it to me. And people did that six years ago. And I've learned a lot of skills and a lot of ways to, in my own you know character, in my own ways, to share Jesus with a random stranger. And it gets easier and easier. It's like, you know, it's like going to the gym, right? First time you go to the gym, it's not fun. You're going <laughs> to you're gonna have to work out. You're going to pay for it next day, right? You're going to be sore. And then you'll be like, oh, do I want to go back? Because this was tough, you know? It took energy and pain at the end. But then when you go back and you push through, you get stronger. It's like a, a muscle gets stronger. Well, the same with faith. Faith is like a muscle. Yeah. The more you exercise your faith, the stronger it gets. And the more you'll see God using you. And it's exciting to walk in your father's kingdom. 
because he wants to use you with all the gifts he has for you to glorify him. And you can be part of that. And that's just the most exciting thing to be part of your father's kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Marcel, we're, we're just, we're just about going to wrap this up here. Just about out of time for today. But, um, so E3 ministries, can you just give, give a little plug for if somebody wants to look into E3 ministries yeah. of Facebook or website? Yeah. E3 ministry, uh, CA. You can look it up online and the three E's stand for, first of all, evangelism, right? One E evangelism, second E equip the believers and third E is establishing church. And that's what we're passionate about. Uh, it's, it's, training you to do the things, training you to share Jesus. And um, <clears throat> if you feel like, hey, I want to learn new skills, um, things I've you know, learned, skills that you've never used before, uh, there's some simple tools to be trained. And they're simple. Anyone can do it. And um, yeah, and then use the tools to, to bring Jesus to your community. And, um, and, that's, and, and it's exciting for us to see people do it exciting for us to see him trained and then yeah and then it's an ongoing training uh there's lots of tools online as well uh you can look online there will be tools there and videos and but again we love to come to your community and equip you and that god will use you in your community and another branch of e3 is i am second and they're white chair videos they call them so you can youtube i am second and see some testimonies there um Another last question I have for you, my friend. Um, what what would you say to people, whether they're Christians or whether they're not Christians, that really struggle with with believing in the healing and the stuff that you now see all the time? What what would you what would you say? You have an opportunity to mm-hmm. to speak into that to those people, Christians or non Christians who don't believe in healing or struggle to believe in it, and those who have not experienced personally. Yeah. And then wonder why. So going back uh, eight years ago, I think now, my father-in-law passed away of cancer. And we prayed. We prayed like crazy. I didn't see any miracles before that in my life. And my faith was very small. But I believe the Bible says it, that you lay hands on the sick and they recover. Well, it's either believing in the words of the Bible or, or not, right? And so... I believe Jesus could heal because I saw that or experienced that miracle with that girl, right? And she was healed. But I thought that God would maybe heal just a few people in this world who are really struggling. But it says in the Bible that Jesus healed them all wherever he went. And he was a busy, he was a busy guy. <laughs> a lot of people came to him, right? Yeah. And so if Jesus demonstrated healing as part of his ministry, now why are we not doing that today? And so... Those words, Mark sixteen sixteen, and other scriptures would tell that you lay hands on the sick and they will, they will recover. And so my question is like, wow, God, are you, are you able to do that for me today or for my father-in-law? And I didn't see it, but I was still pressing in. If the word is true, faith comes by hearing the word of God, right? So if the word is true, then I want to not stop. I want to press in. And I think that when it comes to healing, uh, the words is true, but we have to uh, be obedient to it and exercise it. It's almost like um, if somebody gives you a gift, right? You have to take the gift and receive it. And if God the Father gives us a free gift, his authority into Jesus' name and the power of the Holy Spirit to give us a gift to use it, 
then we have to take this gift and use it. It's receiving it. It's just receiving it. That's all it takes. And then start believing. And uh, sometimes, yeah, God in our unbelief will still do things for sure. Um, but I just like, for my journey was like, God, if you are real, I know you're real, but if this is real, then I will receive everything you have for me. If this is real, then I want to experience you. I want to be empowered by you. And I want to walk with you. And when you cry out to God, when you be heart, honest in your heart, he will make himself known to you and he will use you and move through you. Just receive him. Yeah. Thanks for sharing today, bro. Mm-hmm. Free gift. It is. And Christ's love is a free gift. It's something that we can't earn. Mm-hmm. Marcel, you, uh, you're on Facebook. People can follow you on Facebook, but you also have a YouTube channel. Yeah. That's yeah, Marcel Not. Just simple my name. Marcel Not on YouTube. Yeah. If you want to see some of these miracles that Marcel's seeing all the time. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for coming on the show today, hey, bro. Appreciate it. Me. Thanks for having me. It's so an honor to be here. And yeah, I love what you guys do here. And it's been great to partner for sure. Amen. Thanks, bro. God bless. It's a free gift, friends. My question for you. Are you struggling to believe some of these stories? And if so, what's what's stopping you? I just encourage you to keep pressing in. These were also things that in my past I doubted. But I just hungered to know and kept pressing in. And like Marcel said, he's real. And it's a free gift. His love is a free gift. We can't earn it. He's just waiting for you to step in. Be blessed, friends.